welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. Okay, well, it's exciting to see uh, hear some of those testimonies. And uh, God is on the move. God is on the move in our midst and in our city, in the world. It's tremendously exciting to be alive at this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask for a spirit of wisdom, revelation and love to be released and, and loosed in this room, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I ask that as we get into your word, that by your spirit you would cause us to see who you have created us to be, that we would get a true picture of who we are and your love for us and your plan for us, Lord God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over any demonic spirit that would seek to impede us from seeing and accessing the wisdom that you want to release, Lord God, and any uh, anything that would prevent that, I bind right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you cause us to walk in wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, it's an interesting time in the world. It's an interesting time um, in South Africa right now because right now we are um, celebrating or the world is celebrating apparently Pride Month. And um, it's, it's something that it's interesting. I find so many Christians don't know how to respond. Um, they, they, uh, we are either... Um, cowed and intimidated into saying nothing, or there are parts of the church that have um, become so, um, that we, we so desire to be loving that we have abandoned the, word, the teaching of the Word of God entirely. Or, or as many people do, and, and I'll be honest, at times I've done this myself, we just avoid the topic because we're uncomfortable. We just we try to just get around, and I don't I don't believe that that's what we call to do because I don't actually believe that it's loving to just agree with uh, someone no matter what. Um, you know, if you just agree with people no matter uh, what, that's not loving. We we have to learn to walk in a in a spirit of love and humility and gentleness, but at the same time to retain truth. Um, for example. Um, if, uh, if someone has an eating disorder, someone came to you with an eating disorder and uh, like uh, anorexia or bulimia and they said, listen, I, uh, I just feel dreadfully overweight. I just feel, but you can see they're busy starving to death. I actually, my, one of my, my um, childhood heroes, this happened to her. And uh, she was the, she actually used to babysit me and she was this beautiful teen, uh, teenage girl. And at, at about 19, this uh, anorexia hit her, an eating disorder hit her. And um, she ended up uh, dying from this disorder. And I want to just say to you that, that actually, if somebody had stood alongside her and just agreed with her in, in that moment, that would not have been love. And in the same way, there's some issues in society that we need to address. But we have to find the right way to do it. You hear what I'm saying? 
Remember the word of God says in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, um, it says, If my people who are called by my name will turn from their will humble will turn from their wicked way and humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And so I just want to say that I think that as the church, we need to just decide that we're going to embrace humility. Actually, humility year. And we, we have to embrace a spirit of humility and step onto the playing field and say, well, we disagree. Humbly, we disagree. But this is why we disagree. And to do so from, uh, from a place uh, of love. One of the greatest questions that faces humanity in any time, in any historical context, is this question. It's the question of, who are we? Who, who am I? And how do I know? That's why today we are wrestling in the world, particularly in the, uh, in the West, parts of the world not, uh, not so much, but particularly in the so-called Western world with identity politics. It's this like, uh, uh, that identity, who do I, who am I? And if you, if you reject my identity that I have created for me, are, are, are you rejecting me? You know? And the question of identity is being raised very forcefully in society right now. And it's coming into, uh, into our, um, our culture and it's manifesting in every aspect of what, what we've called the seven mountains. So in, in politics, you'll hear it in the courts, uh, in, you'll hear it in politics, but then you'll find it in the courts. So politics and law have been impacted w- uh, with identity politics. In education, we need to understand that right now, in schools across this country, identity politics is being pushed in such a way where they are educating our children, your, uh, your children, perhaps your grandchildren, saying, listen, this is how you are to understand yourself. And it may not be an identity that you agree with as a parent. And, and, and that's, that's really important that we understand this. This is why this is important. In commerce, an example at the moment, uh, Woolworths have a massive campaign in which they, uh, they have embraced Pride Month. They, uh, they are pushing out um, uh, products that are aimed at this. They have got uh, products that are um, aimed at your children so that your children embrace the, uh, these identities. And then they're giving money to organizations that actually have as the aim to make the preaching of the word of God illegal and to brand it a hate crime. So, so they would literally take away your right to speak, to read the Bible aloud and say this is what the Bible says. In family, uh, family is being uh, redefined. In entertainment and the media, it's being redefined. And sadly, even in religion and in Christian churches. Huge parts of the Christian church have now uh, decided to walk away 
from what the Word of God teaches to a more politically correct work agenda. And listen, I want to just say to you, I'm not angry with anyone and I hate no one. We are not called to hate anyone. We love all people. You will never, ever, not one time in your life will you ever meet a person who is not loved and created in the image of God. We need to understand this. This is so vitally important. You will never, no matter how much a person hates you, or you, no matter how much a person is steeped in wickedness or sin or brokenness, the worst serial murder you, murderer you will ever meet is still made in the image of God and loved by God. All right? So let me, let me be absolutely clear. And this is, you know, for those of you, you know, even here on the podcast, you may hate what I say, but what I say is not hate. There is a difference. You may hate what I say, but there is no hate in what I say. We hate no one. So, I want to, want to speak about this over today and over the next couple of weeks. I want us to start looking biblically at the question of identity to discover from the Word of God where we find true identity. You see, this is the, uh, the thing, and, and what, one of the things we need to understand is that although Pride Month is, um, uh, is, seems to be focused on one particular set of identities um, that are normally rooted in some kind of sexual identity, we need to understand that it is just one branch on a much bigger tree. Okay? Even though there are these unbiblical identities over here, but I want to tell you that on the rest of the tree, there are other identities. There's other identities that we don't have a whole month for, but are just as unbiblical and just as uh, 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 as um, wrong. As and when I say uh, when I say wrong, I'm saying incorrect, destructive. And so, for example. Greed. You know, uh, greed is an identity that much of the world has embraced. But it seems to be an acceptable identity. And, uh, uh, you know, there, there might be, um, you know, all kinds of other uh, brokennesses that, uh, that are on the rest of the tree. So, don't, when you hear me, please understand, I'm not talking about just one particular thing. So, the, the challenge is, is that our identity is always rooted in worship. Your identity is rooted in worship. What you worship will define you, and whatever you think defines you, you will, uh, you will worship. And so you will see people will give their lives over to um, pursuing wealth and power. Because they think that wealth and power defines them. And if you pursue, if it defines you, you, and you pursue it, you'll end up worshipping that thing. What does that look like? That means you will get your identity, you'll get your values, and you'll get your direction from, uh, from that thing. And what most Christians need to understand in, in this area of the, of the so-called pride 
uh, identity is that it's what is at stake is way more than the question of what people do in their bedrooms or in the privacy of their bedrooms. You see, often people tell me, why, why, why bother? Why should you be bothered about this? And it, it's more than just behavior. It's because beliefs drive behavior. And what we're looking at, it's not just, you, you know, so often what we do is we like people who climb into a bad tree and start picking bad fruit and throwing the bad fruit down. And we, we're like, no, no, listen, this fruit is dreadful, dreadful. And then you just, and every season there's just new fruit. The problem's not the fruit, the problem's the tree. We've got to get to the root of what is causing it. And what is happening at the moment in society is a radical redefinition of what it means to be human. A radical redefinition of mankind. Who we are and how we understand ourselves, who we teach our children we are, and consequently the impact is being felt in every area of society. Law, ethics, arts, etc. Who we are and who we think we are is rooted way more than anything else in who we were made to worship and who we actually worship. What you need to understand is that the Bible makes it clear that you were made in the image of God. You were created. When, when God made you, the first way you were to understand yourself was by looking at Him. In fact, you can't understand yourself unless you look at Him first. And so, we were made in the image of God and as image bearers of God, this is what gives us our purpose, our direction, our value. Um, And He made us to look in His face, to know Him, and in knowing Him, know ourselves. But what the fall did... The, what the fall did, you'll remember, the, the Bible speaks about how uh, the enemy came into the, uh, into the garden and he said to, uh, to Adam and Eve, he said, listen, God knows that when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And they believed, they put their trust in the word of the enemy over the Word of God and transferred their allegiance from the Word of God to the Word of the enemy. But what was he enticing them to do? He was enticing them to be their own God. You can replace God for being God. Yourself. And in and when, and when you do that, you will be like God, and then you'll know good and evil. In other words, you will get to determine what good and evil is for yourself. And that's what they did. And the moment they did that, it's really interesting, because the Bible says, when they ate of the tree, they became aware that they were naked. That was really fascinating. I mean, I don't know about you, but there hasn't one, been one time in my life when I've just, like, not noticed. 
I've never got out of the shower and go, oh my gosh, how did that happen? But when God comes to speak, Adam says, I heard you in the garden and I hid because I was naked. God asked him a really amazing question. He says, who told you you were naked? Like It's something that needed to be told. He didn't say, when did you notice? Have you discovered the thorn bush that I put on the other side of the garden? He didn't say that. He didn't say, when did you notice? He said, who told you? Because he knew that there was a word that they had believed. That heard a different word than his, uh, his word. And what had happened then? They had gone from being conscious of God, getting their identity from God, to all of a sudden they'd listened to another voice and they had become self-conscious. Why did they become self-conscious? Because they had decided instead of allowing God to be God, they would exchange the glory of the immortal, invisible uh, God. And they exchanged it to be like God themselves and in becoming like God themselves, they became not God-conscious, but self-conscious. And all of a sudden, their identity moved from being rooted in God and in eternity and who He said they were into themselves. And they just uh, were going to fashion their own identity. Now, when you do that, when you decide, I'm not going to let God tell me who I am, but I am going to say who I am, what you are essentially doing when you exchange God for something else, you create an idol. What's an idol? An idol is an image that takes the place of God. And it can be anything. It can be anything. And I'll be honest with you, we all have our idols. We all have our idols. I know for me, I mean like my, uh, you know, it sounds, uh, you know, sounds kind of nice. People say, you know, huh, I just idolized my dad. Yeah, well, I did too. And it wasn't a good thing. Because I tried to be my dad. I wanted to, I thought, in order to be valuable and special and precious, I need to make, make myself him and make myself like him. And it took me years to break that off of my life and realize, no, I need to look at the Father and let him tell me who I am. And that's who I am. That's who I uh, truly am. And you see, that is where true identity shifted to false identity. The uh, book of Romans said they exchanged the image of the immortal God for an image made like corruptible man. Which corruptible man? Themselves. Adam literally and Eve, they literally transferred God from the throne of their lives and made themselves the, uh, the, uh, the... What is that called? There's a word for it. It's the word pride. It's, it is no accident that this movement that is sweeping the world is called pride. We're not called to get our identity in pride. We are actually called to get our identity in humility. Where we recognize, 
I didn't make myself. And I can't make myself. I don't choose myself. That's why it's not true that you can just wake up and say, you know what, actually I feel like I am a woman today. You don't, you're not God. You didn't create yourself. And you can't create yourself. You may strongly feel that you are a woman. The truth is, you're being lied to if you're not a biological woman. There's someone else talking to you. And he's lying. And he has an agenda. And that agenda is your destruction. He wants to destroy you. Why? Why is the enemy so keen to push this agenda into the world? I'll tell you why. Because he hates the image of God. Because he hates God. He hates you. And so he wants to rub out the image of God in the earth. He wants to destroy humanity. This agenda... And I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the spirits behind it. This agenda hates humanity. Hates people because they're made in the image of God. So, let's have a look at the roots of pride. Ezekiel 28 verse 14. Turn with me to Ezekiel 28 verse 14. Speaking of the devil, he is the one who is the originator of pride. The Bible says this, You were anointed as a guardian cherub. This is, this is Satan. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God and you walked amongst the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your, uh, of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the uh, earth. So you'll notice there that his heart became proud. This is the origin of pride. This is the origin uh, uh, of pride. The root of the fall of Satan was pride. He wanted to exalt himself above God, to be God. Even though he was created by God, he wanted himself to set himself uh, up as God. That's exactly the temptation he offers with false identity. That's the same thing. And listen, you can, you can uh, embrace a false identity whether it's like you can uh, trust in your wealth. You can trust in your good looks. You can trust in uh, how many people you uh, sleep with um, to make yourself feel good. You can trust in your intellect. You can trust in all kinds of different things. Or you can trust in one of the many multiplying identities that, uh, that have got an official letter. But it's all the same tree. It's all the same tree. There's, there's one branch over here and there's, there's absolutely no good sitting on this branch over here condemning that branch over there if you're still in the same tree. And we need to, we need to understand that. This is no more 
wicked than that. Then he deceived mankind into following him into the same sin, the same rebellion. Genesis 3, verse uh, 1 to 5. And and the enemy uh, convinced Adam and Eve to trust his word over God's word, to become like God and to enthrone themselves. Pride, essentially, is the worship of self. When you you worship the self, your identity is self-generated and therefore your morality becomes self-generated. The only problem is, and this is the big problem, is that all of life was created to have God at the center. There's only one God. The true God. There's only one God. And nothing actually has the power and the strength to sustain all things other than God. If you put anything at the center of life other than God, it destroys that thing. So, for example, in the Enlightenment, humanity decided that what they would do is they would, get, they would drive all meaning and truth from reason. You know, called the age of reason. And so they said, what we're going to do is we're going to put man's reason at the center of all of life. And do you know what happened? We destroyed rationality itself. Now we live as the fruit of that consequence, in a profoundly irrational age. And you can see it in, in the very agenda we're talking about, where, where someone can just say, just proclaim, listen, I'm a man. I'm a woman, because I am. I mean, recently I heard of a school here in Cape Town, and I mean, I couldn't believe it, but it, apparently it's happening, where people are saying... Pupils are proclaiming they are cats. And, and the school is accommodating this. And they have to have playtime out in the thing and they have a litter box. I'm like, seriously, that's just irrational. It just makes no sense. Why? Where did we, how did we get to that place? The problem is, is when you put all of reality inside of the human reason, at a certain point, it just breaks. It just breaks. And there's no way, if, if, if all of reality has to be generated from inside of your own head, where do you check it? How? It's impossible. But what happened, what is happening here is bigger than that. You see, what we've done now, we moved from reason, then we had intuition, and our feelings uh, give us all, uh, all of reality. But now we've got to the place where we've actually, quite honestly and uh, self-consciously said, We are putting ourselves at the center of reality. We are putting man at the center of all of life. But do you know what happens when you put uh, uh, people, humanity, at the center of all of life, at the place where God is meant to be? You destroy humanity. And that's what's happening. Is the image of God in the earth is being erased. And it's been exchanged for... Images to ma- made to look like, as the Bible says in the book of Romans, um, corruptible man and birds and fish and animals, etc. We should not be surprised when we see people saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a wolf person. This is, this is, a, this is a, literally an identity. That's a, a wolf person, a cat per, uh, person, a tree person. Um, because as people have moved, the image of the invisible God away from that embraced other 
Im uh, images. Any image will do. And then as you worship that thing, you begin to become made into the image of, uh, of that thing. And so, the, today more and more clearly we're seeing the fruit of this. Satan is trying to destroy the image of God in the earth. We're seeing a redefinition of, of sex, of marriage, of family, of genders, of people and of species. But I'm going to end with this question and we're going to, we're going to carry on and we'll have a couple more. I've got a couple more in this series because I don't want to go on too long. And I know this is a, he a heavy topic and I don't want to, uh, to, be, uh, to be heavy, but we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth on this. We need to know why this is important. What's actually happening is the invitation to embrace a completely different religion. It is. It's, a, it's actually when, when, when people say, hey, just become an ally. These people, these people have been oppressed and, marginali uh, and marginalized. Listen, I don't agree with oppression and marginalization. I want everyone to feel seen and, lo uh, and loved. Absolutely. However, what we're being invited to is not just to love people. We're, we're being uh, asked to agree with and to celebrate and ultimately to worship at a different image. An image that, uh, that says that, that actually our humanity is self-generated. Who we are is self-generated. We get to create ourselves. We get to decide whether we are a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, even a cat or a, or a wolf or nothing or in between or whatever. That we literally generate ourselves and then we get to choose right and wrong for us, uh, for ourselves. And the consequences of this are, are becoming more and more far-reaching in, in society. I, I, five years ago, it would have been unthinkable that, um, well, five or even ten years ago, uh, maybe unthinkable that it would even be considered that um, child, uh, adults. Um, having intimate relations with people uh, who are young children would be acceptable. But that is being pushed. That is being pushed. Now they are no longer pedophiles. They are a minor attracted people. This is, this is actually what's being pushed. Ten years ago people told me this, uh, you know, this would never happen. It's happening, people. And the reason is, is when you move away from a solid core, there's no, there's no, there's nothing to hold on to. Well, if this is acceptable, why not that? You say, oh, okay. Well, if that's acceptable, why not that? Well, okay. Well, if that's acceptable, why not that? When we had the, mar the gay marriage debate, I, I kept on saying to people, it's not about whether this is wrong or right. It's about, no, God said, this is the standard. This is it. And when you redefine marriage, all of a sudden marriage, if it doesn't mean something, it ends up meaning nothing. If marriage means everything, it literally means nothing. Does that make sense? And here we are today, where we are literally talking about marriage as just anything when people want to make it. It's groups of people getting married. It's, it's, it's anything and everything. And what happened is actually the institution of marriage in society 
has been destroyed. Uh, thankfully, in eternity, it's not destroyed. God still recognizes marriage, and there's still such a thing as marriage. Amen? It's the same thing with identity. If, if we do not know who we are from God's perspective, if we cannot say, no, this is a true identity. So you see, uh, I had a chat with Jess about this. A friend of her asked me, do you believe that this is wrong? And she said, it's not so much that that is wrong. It's not so much that I believe that is wrong. It's that I believe that this is right. This is right. That, that sex, any sex outside of marriage is wrong. Any sex. And, and the church actually needs to return to, the, uh, to that standard, you know. That sex outside of marriage is wrong. God made sex to be uh, performed between a man and a woman in marriage. Okay? And anything else, that's the standard. It's like, do you believe 2 plus 2 equals 5 is wrong? Yes. Why? Because 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's so judgmental. That's, that's unbelievable. How can you say that? You know? That is being redefined too. Again, it's, it's another example of re, you, you, we want to redefine reality. The only way you can redefine reality is if you're God. We're not. Newsflash. You're not God. Alright? And so, this is the standard. And as the church, we have to embrace that. The reality is, we all know Christians who are living together. That's the reality. We, 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 we all know Christians who are like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that's really wrong, but no, this, this is tolerable. No, the reality is, is we've got to return to what God says. Amen? Okay, so, a little bit of, um, more of a heavy revy to, uh, today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask, Lord, that you would grant us true truth and love and courage, Lord, to speak the truth in love in the world where people actually need to hear the truth. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.